Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet that you're doing tremendous and I'm sending you all of my prayers and well wishes to you, your family, your friends, and everybody you love. We have an absolutely fantastic episode of the show for you today. We have Emma Pierce on and we are talking about her book, What Does It Matter? Live With Less Stress and More Joy. This is an excellent episode. It is practical. It gives you all kinds of tools to live with less stress and more joy, which all of us uh, could probably certainly use. And if you couldn't, good for you. Um, We talk about the five to thrive, dealing with troubles, uh, the CIA acronym, self-control, dealing with emotions. We talk about more analogies and acronyms that she brings up to help us basically deal with challenges. We talk about growth mindset. dealing with the worst case scenario, the bank of breathing and why joy is for the taking and also a 360 model. So this is a very practical episode. Those are my favorite when I can listen and I can apply the information that I'm hearing. I know you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, please share this episode far and wide. Consider leaving a review in iTunes. Uh, Consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com. You can do so for free or by donation if you'd like to support the show. And the best thing you can do to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. For those of you guys who are interested in working one-on-one with me and you want to work on spirituality, creating a life purpose and vision with clarity and authenticity, you want to look at overcoming maybe some blocks or limitations or uh, self-limiting beliefs, hit me up matt at zenathlete.com or go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. I'd love to hear about you and see how I can support you in your journey. And so that's it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into this incredible show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace contentment power faith courage and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with emma pierce hello and welcome to the mastermind body and spirit show i'm your host matt belair if you want to support this show please leave us a review in itunes consider leaving uh or sharing the episode But most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is the founding director of Solomon Hunt and is in much demand as a consultant, public speaker, musical director, and songwriter. As an innovation strategist and leadership coach, she designs and delivers bespoke programs for a range of clients across the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. She is an accomplished songwriter, performer, and conductor, and also the author of the new book, What Does It Matter? Live with Less Stress and More Joy. Welcome to the show, Emma Pierce. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to do the show just because of the name of your book. I think everybody <laughs> wants that. I want that. <laughs> you know, as I come back today and I was telling you before we started, a, a rock shattered our moonroof of our car and it's like... I'm like trying not to be frustrated. And I was like, is it possible to go through this scenario and not be frustrated? And I'm trying. <laughs> um, and it's like going in waves. So I just kind of noticed. So um, I'm excited yeah. to have you on. Do you want to share a little bit about your background? Because I shortened the bio. You've, you've done a lot. You do a lot. Um, but would love to introduce you to the audience. Oh, thank you, Matt. Yeah, that, the bio always, I always feel a little bit awkward because it sounds totally bonkers um, to 
uh, be running a business as well as being a conductor and a songwriter. And but the, the truth is, I've just had a very peculiar journey. Um, people often talk about a career. I don't think I've had one of those. Um, I've just followed my curiosity where it's gone. I started life um, actually as a teacher, found out very quickly that although I love teaching, I am not made for school environment. Um, it's just too routine for me, uh, but I love teaching. But I moved away from um, schools and then was working within community work that moved into corporate work, uh, which was a nice mix actually, because my undergrad is in music and composition, my postgrads in research and philosophy. So um, it's allowing me to kind of live the creative and the nerd, both of which are very much there for me within the corporate scene, the leadership development side of things. And then because I'm coaching people, uh, the conversation I was having again and again and again in all these different scenarios was often about stress, so that led to the book. So it's a very peculiar journey. I've been a published songwriter for, well, for years. Um, very, very early on I was doing that. Um, but I think the thread through all of it is about human connection and it's about humanity. I love people, Matt. That's the bottom line. I love people. So it's a bizarre jigsaw puzzle of a... Uh, biography in that sense. Uh, but I'm happy. I'm happy to just follow my curiosity where it goes. <laughs> well, I love that. It sounds like you've had quite the journey. Um, so, well, let's just dive into the book. What made you want to write that book? You were coaching a lot of people. You see this theme come up and it's, mm. I think, very common for people to deal with either stress, anxiety, yeah. frustration, um, and even, you know, some of the worst or when it gets more serious is depression and addiction yeah. and things like that. So, uh, what made you write the book and how can we start living with less stress and more joy? Yeah, good question. <laughs> You're right that I'm finding a lot of people are in need of it. Do you know, I took the book cover um, to the streets, actually in Times Square, and uh, was asking people on the streets of New York. And what was fascinating is the answer nearly every time when they saw the book cover of what does it matter, live with less stress, was this sense of I need that. Often if you present some of your work, it might be I like that, or that's interesting, or I might get around to reading that. But this was the word need came up time and time and time. nearly 100% of people said, I need that. So it definitely the reason I wrote it was in response to a need. Um, the phrase what does it matter is actually a phrase my beautiful mother who I lost many, many years ago, but she used that phrase all the time. I'm one of five children, five girls, in fact, um, and there are five of us uh, in a 10 year age gap. So the eldest was 10 when the youngest was born. And uh, my mother, bear in mind, five girls, was so laid back. I mean, she was so laid back. How do you do that? Now I'm a mother, I wanna ask her, how did you do that? Um, but one of the ways she did it was using this phrase, what does it matter? And it didn't matter if I was trying to get stressed out about the fact that I didn't have an outfit to wear or I'd spilled my juice over or whatever. She would often use this phrase, what does it matter? And if you tried to get worked up, she would just, what does it matter? And you'd be like, oh yeah, it doesn't really. Anyway, so, uh, a few years ago, I was on a podcast talking about the juggle of running a business and mothering and, you know, doing, trying to do all things as best as I possibly could. And I used this phrase, what does it matter, uh, as one of the things that I used to help me. And the response was enormous. People came back to us and said, I've started using that phrase and it's really helped. Um, and we just had an amazing response 
to that um that led in the end that when the opportunity came for me to write a book that was an obvious thing to do it around so i've explored what does it matter as a phrase that we can use as a tool to help us live with less stress so that's why that's why i wrote it really is that people were coming back to me saying i started using that phrase and it's really helped a good example is this um there was a lady who came and spoke to me and said i heard you on that podcast and uh I was seeing my son, she was a senior social worker. So that's a very stressful, intense job. Um, she's a single mum and she had 15 year old son that she was seeing off to school. Now, I have to remember that in England, uh, we wear school uniform. Well, I don't, I'm not there anymore. My children wear school uniform. Um, I'm not sure if that's the same way you live. Is it the same in Canada? Do you it wear school uniform? It depends on some schools they do, some schools they don't. Okay, well, we all do here, like <laughs> it's a thing. And you've got to look smart. And yet, anyway, her son was leaving the house for school in his school uniform, which is a blazer and a shirt and a tie, you know. And she suddenly realized that his shirt wasn't ironed. And in that moment, I don't know if you've ever done this, Matt, but I certainly have. In that moment, there was a lot of over-catastrophizing that happened. It kind <laughs> of escalated in her head to... <gasps> Oh my gosh, it's because I'm failing. I'm not doing anything well. I'm everyone's going to think I'm a bad mother. I should do a lesser responsible job. It's because my husband left me. And this whole thing started to escalate for her in that moment. You know, just in that moment, it started to balloon. And then it was really humbling. But she said, I just heard your voice go, what does it matter? And, and in that moment, she said, she just realized it's only that his shirt isn't ironed and the whole thing just de-escalated for her and she was like you know what go to school come back and i will have your shirts ironed for tomorrow and what she gave herself in that moment matt was she gave herself grace she found grace for herself grace for the situation and just went you know what it's okay and i think the message of this book uh really to people is you know what it's okay just take a deep breath. Let's put things in perspective. It's not that nothing matters. There are serious things that matters. When I lost my mum, that mattered. There, life is messy and it can hurt. So it's not pretending that nothing matters, but we shouldn't be using our energy and our capacity up on the stuff that doesn't. Um, so yeah, the book is an exploration of all of that. Well, I love that. It, it reminds me of the book by Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment, where it's mm -hmm. basically that whatever is going to happen, he's going to surrender to life and life is going to be guiding him. So it also it's like the same idea of, um, you know, surrender and Zen. You just, you know, you surrender to everything and um, some of your suffering or anxiety or stress comes from not surrendering to the way life is. And I feel like a lot of people probably blow things out of proportion. So you go into, um, you know, some more details in your book that I think are important. And I want to dive into those because I think they're relevant for learning to embody this. And I just wanted to ask yeah. the question you adjusted a little bit. I can see it working. And I think if you really do this process, what does it matter? Um, you know, for 80, probably 90% of stuff, it's not going to be that big a deal if you, you know, look at it and you don't add on to it and, you know, let the hamster wheel of the mind take over. <laughs> but for the stuff where we're like, well, you know, I just got fired, you know, what does it matter? Or, you know, yeah. this thing that happened and now, and I think money's like the big stress for a lot of people yeah. too, with the way things are going. They're like, it matters mm. because now my bank is hurting more. So if it, if it starts to like up in amplitude or your mother or something like that, do we use that phrase or is it more for the, the smaller stuff? Or is there a perspective that you use for that as well? Yeah. Good point. That 
I think the reality is that there is a different answer to that for everybody. So the, the answer isn't the same in every situation for everybody. What is universal is the need to ask the question. So when it comes to things like our finances, mm. when we're under pressure, asking that phrase, what does it matter, will help us to distill what our priorities really are. So for example, um, the five to thrive is something, again, my mum taught me, oh my gosh, you needed to have had a podcast with her. Podcasts weren't around then, but you would have absolutely loved her. Um, but the five to thrive. So one of the things that I tend to do in those situations, if I'm feeling very under pressure, particularly from finances, is, is everyone safe, fed, clean, warm and loved? Is everyone safe, fed, clean, warm and loved? If we've got those five things basically covered, then everything else is like, okay, let's just do you know let's just give ourselves a hug we're doing well we've got those five things covered if those five things are not covered then that's the time to reach out for help and there are times we need to do that um and that's not necessarily a failing it's not anything to do with that but if those five things aren't covered then that's the time to reach out for help if the thing we're worrying about is outside of those things sometimes it's to do with our expectation of life more than it is to do with our experience of life um, so one of the things, so the book is actually divided into seven chapters. Uh, the first being, what does it matter what I decide? What does it matter how I think? And one of the chapters is on expectation. And uh, so we talk about what our expectations of life are and who, who it is that's fed those expectations to us. Who is it that told us life should be this way? And if we're not then managing to live up to that life that is being fed to us, not only are we struggling with the, the life as we're living it, but we're also then struggling with shame and guilt on top of that saying, oh, and you should be doing this and it should look like this. So. I think one of the things that I'm trying to do with this book is to provoke conversation around our expectations of what life is and what life isn't and how we can respond to that. Because if we never expect to come under pressure, then we feel it's easier rather to feel like a victim when we are. If we come under pressure, we're like, okay, this is part of life. It's all right. I've built some resilience to handle this. Um, another one might be um that we expect everyone to like us i mean gosh we've seen that time and time again and the reality is someone liking you is as much about them as it is about you that's really important someone liking you and accepting you is as much about them as it is about you so an expectation that everyone's going to like you if you act and behave in a way to try and get everybody's favor and affirmation you you're going to be uh, on a you know on a surefire to losing because actually you're not in control of how other people respond to you so a lot is down ex down to expectations sometimes life just is hard let's be honest sometimes it is really hard but if we've saved our energy and capacity from the small stuff to those big things and then we can get back to those five safe fed warm clean and loved if we get back to those basics then we can give ourselves a bit of a break and go okay and also i have what i have today I find something really helpful when I have those moments of pressure, which, you know, happen. Um, 
And again, this is worth saying, I don't profess to have the perfect life or have all the answers. In fact, I'm a little bit sick of people telling me what to do. Um, I have the perfect life and just live like me and you'll be happy. Nonsense. Um, because all of us have different variables of life. We have different experiences. We have different makeup and biology and, and we live in different places. You live where you live and yours is daylight right now. I'm living in the night right now. You know, we, we all have different experiences of life. Um, and so this isn't a about you should live this way this is about here are some questions that you can ask that will help you to live in a way that suits you the best that you can wow well i love that and and your uh five to thrive might be one of the top things that have ever been said on this podcast podcast you know is everyone safe fed clean warm and loved. It's just so yeah. uh, beautiful and simple. And it reminds me of a time I had one of my really good friends, their um, son got sick, really sick. And he was in the hospital mm -hmm. for months. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing them and they were at a restaurant and you could tell that they were obviously very sad and distraught because they were mm -hmm. worried about their son. And it's like, it's interesting how it puts everything in perspective. Nothing else yeah. matters, but your son's health, you know, right now, everything could fall away. Um, and then, you know, if you take that a little further, it's, it's what you're saying is the questioning, you know, what does it matter? You know, then yeah. you can go into what can I do? Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, then you can have the idea and perspective that the universe or God is working for you, you know, so mm. that you're meant to be led this way that you can overcome this challenge, although it's not yeah. pleasant. And it might not be what you expected. And that's, uh, you know, Alan Watts will say, you know, the translation that Buddha says life is suffering. It's more accurate to say life is frustrating. And so mm -hmm. we have this expectation that it's not supposed to be frustrating. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm reminding mm -hmm. myself of these mm -hmm. philosophies as I'm going through the stupid car thing is just that's yeah. life is frustrating. So if I go outside yeah. and it's very cold today and I like the mountains and I complain about the cold, it's a bit ridiculous because I moved in the mountains and I also know that it's cold and I'm Canadian and it gets cold every <laughs> year since I've been alive. So yeah. I can waste energy uh, on complaining about these things and fighting them yeah. and also making them bigger than they are. And that's mm. wasted energy that you could be using towards something productive of your own choosing. And one mm. example I like to give is that, you know, this mental, emotional, spiritual energy we have is limited, just like your physical energy. So all this negativity and the spiraling and this complaining and all this, uh, you know, um, wasted energy could be used for something productive. It's kind of like if you're wanting to go to the gym and as you're going to the gym, you're doing like lunges with weights, you know what I mean? So by the time you get to the gym, you've done a hundred <laughs> lunges and then you want to do squats or something, your legs are going to be toast, right? Or you've run yeah. a marathon before you got to the gym. Well, yeah. now all that energy has gone. So you don't have the mental capacity, the emotional and spiritual capacity to focus because it all got wasted. And I do think it is like actual mm. energy that comes from the body. Mm. And so if we could stop wasting that, we can redirect it. Mm. Well, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of um, leaders and within the spiritual realm. So Jesus said, you know, in this world, you're going to have a lot of troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. You know, there's all the, it's the reality of the world that we're living in at the moment, isn't it? Is, is, is that there are those troubles, but it's where exactly where we're putting our focus, where we're putting our energy and, and ultimately self-control is really important. So one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control and we need to control ourselves, control our thinking, control our reactions so that we operate through life in a way as best we can. Um, and I think what you said there is really important when you mentioned about, um, you know, what we can control. The thing I find really helpful is um, CIA. So I look at it and I go, okay, what can I control? What can I influence? And what do I need to accept?
And that's something that I tend to look at when I um, look at, okay, there's a situation that's happening. What are my options? What can I control? What can I influence? And what do I need to accept? CIA, that's a really good, helpful thing. And also just, um, as you say, when you're trying to work out, is this one of those things where I'm using, <laughs> I love your analogy, using up all my energy before I even got to the gym for the hard stuff, you know, I, I tend to find um, people that have been through some serious trials are people who are living with life a little bit more in perspective. And they do find that actually they're grateful for so many other things. Um, but the framework that I've put in the book, so the what does it matter? I In exploring these different things, I've ended up creating a framework, which I hope will help people when they're working out, is this a small thing? And, big thing is this is a big thing today but it may be a small thing tomorrow you know this is the thing there's a lot of variables to life and um the what does it matter framework is basically wdim what does it matter just to be you know helpful <laughs> so the wdim and the what is this what is it that i'm feeling and that's really important to, to stop and take note and notice of our feelings and you know on the in the cover this is about you know reducing our stress and increasing our joy it's not just reducing our stress it's also thereby increasing our joy but it's also i talk in the book about how to how to handle all our emotions actually how to how do we handle anger it's okay to be angry it's absolutely all right to be angry but what do you do with that anger what do you do with those uncomfortable feelings when you have them sometimes there's a time to be angry and a time you really shouldn't be sometimes there's a time to work hard there's a time to rest there's a time to tidy there's a time to just sit on the sofa you know you just got to but it's working out what those times are. What is it I'm feeling? Am I feeling angry or bored or whatever? So the what am I feeling? And then define the D is exactly why am I feeling it? So for example, it may be, um, we talked about finances before. What is it that I'm feeling? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it pressure? Is it disappointment? Is it that our vocabulary, if we're not careful, when we start talking about feelings and operating through life can become very limited because we end up talking about stress and anxiety and it, true, but actually the broad spectrum of emotions is so much more. Sometimes I might want to say to my husband, I've had a bad day. Have I had a bad day? Really? Is everyone safe, fed, clean, warm and loved? Yeah. Is it a bad day or was it a boring day or a lonely day or a disappointing day or what, you know, let's, if we start extending our vocabulary out to really start to name the feeling that we're feeling, we can start to address the real issue. So what is it that I'm feeling? Define why you're feeling it. So that's the WD. The I is how important is it? How important is it really? One of the markers could be, will I remember this in 10 minutes? 10 hours, 10 days or 10 weeks or 10 years. That might help you put it into perspective of how important it is. And the M is to make a plan. So then you put a plan into action. You don't just stay in the one, this is how I'm feeling right now moment. You do need to process your feelings, but also make a plan of action. And that plan might be, I'm just gonna let it go because it's not that important. Or the plan might be, I need to look at what I can control because actually this is really important and I need to act in order to relieve the pressure. The thing about our emotions is they are not fact, our feelings are not fact, but they are signaling something to us. So it's really good to stop and go, okay, I'm feeling sad right now. Why am I feeling is what is it telling me and what do I need to change in order to move out of this uncomfortable feeling? Or I'm feeling over the moon right now. I'm really happy. 
great. What is it that's causing this? Let's do this more. So it's our emotions are telling us something about our situation. And um, when we start to learn them as data more than facts, you know, it's, it's that kind of it's telling us something, it's signaling something to us. Um, then we're using it for our good. Wow. Well, I absolutely love all that. And I love acronyms. I don't know what it is, just acronyms. I just love it. It's like, it seems like a practical process. I always want it to be practical. So, well, in your yeah. book, you talk about, uh, you know, what I decide, what I think, what I expect, yeah. how I see things, how I spend my life, what I possess. Those are, it's a great, um, just summary kind of outline of a holistic view of how you might experience everything in life. And so- yeah. When you, can you summarize each of those points and how we can deal with some of the challenges and then move towards joy? Because I feel like joy is the goal. You know, can we yeah. live in joy? Can we live in harmony? Um, and I can say I'm still working on that. I, you know, like the books on enlightenment and having this like, you know, this equanimity. And I wondered if I could read these books or meditate and get to a space where I was permanently in a peaceful state. And I yeah. have failed miserably at that. <laughs> I tried. Well, I mean, a rock hit your yeah, car. I have tried you know, come so on. hard. <laughs> I have tried so hard. And, you know, I still get so frustrated and, you know, deal with these emotions yeah. that are, you know, come with the challenges of life. And at the same time, I feel like I've been able to find better perspectives or stay in the negative feelings uh, in shorter durations or yeah. be able to move through challenges with a uh, greater power, but it's not always graceful. You know what I mean? And I yeah. feel like what you have here could be a helpful model to consider if we're you know, moving through some challenges. Mm, mm, thank you. I, I have to be with, I'm on, I'm with you, Matt. I'm on it with you. I'm on the journey <laughs> when none of us are there. Welcome to being human. But I love humanity. I love humanity in all our weirdness and fallibility <laughs> and emotional messes and emotional highs. And I think humanity is beautiful. And when God made us, he went, this is awesome. This is good. You know, I really <laughs> think humans are brilliant. Um, yeah, okay. We mess up and we, we, but I really do think that. And we're all on that journey um, and myself included. And I find that that um it's a bit like a muscle that i'm working i kind of learn it and i'm like oh good i got that oh no i'm gonna have to learn it again and you know but actually i do find that we're building strength we are moving further and further further forward to a state of um love and peace and joy and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control are all the the fruits that i want to see coming out of my life and uh, that's what i want to see um in terms of practicalities um of how we how we can do that around decision making, for example, I talk about. Uh, let's take two really quick ones. Uh, so one of them is worst case scenario. Um, really helpful to just quickly, if you're feeling your anxiety level rise, just look at what the worst case scenario is and make a plan to deal with it. So with the WDIM on that would be, what is it I'm feeling? I'm feeling anxious about, or I'm feeling anxious. Define why. Well, it's specifically around that issue. How important is it? That's up depending on the issue and then make a plan. And the make a plan on that one would be what's the worst case scenario? I'll make a plan to deal with that. And then when I know I have that sorted, it's a bit like a creature who feeds if you don't give him any attention, you know, just look, mm -hmm. just give him some attention. Occasionally you pull him out of the dark and you think flip it is really bad actually this is really hard and that's when you get your community around you that's when you handle it together you don't carry the load on your own but um 
so the the what does it matter the worst case scenario a second one is the contingency i know this is silly but an example i used is um so my daughter was singing in her school choir and there was hoo-ha going on about what socks she's going to wear you know long socks or short socks i just took both so i was covered but there was another family who turned up the daughter was crying and the mum was stressed and we didn't know which one it was going to be and like you just bring both and i actually brought some spares i was that annoying parent who got it right once only that that was the only time i ever got it right um but you know actually sometimes the contingency sometimes we're trying we get stressed because we're trying to make a decision that either there isn't a right answer to, or we don't yet have enough information to make the right answer. You don't know what the weather's gonna be like. So you don't know whether to take your anorak or your warm, maybe you always know it's cold from what you said, <laughs> but um, you know, you might not, so take both. If it's possible, just do both and take your stress level down. Um, so, you know, within decision-making things like um, Dan Gilbert at Harvard has um, done a lot of research around commitment levels. And fascinating is that um, irreversible commitment, actually the state of the commitment being irreversible leads to a greater sense of happiness than if you think you mm. can change your mind, which I find fascinating. So if we um, have a choice, buy an item and then you could take it back or you could be, or you could just be stuck with it. Uh, but I think he says something like 60 to 70%, 60% of people would tend to choose, oh, I have the option of taking it back. But actually that's the least comfortable position because your brain is always, you're, you're kind of, you know, so irreversible commitment leads to a greater sense of happiness. I mean, that's just on decision-making. I could go on all night. I'm very excited about this stuff, as you can tell. You know, our thinking, our brains are plastic. That means they can change. So train it, train it. If you're, you know, to, to meditate and to pray and to, to, to have a moment of peace, sometimes it takes some discipline and sometimes people give it a go and they're like, well, oh, I've, you know, distracted or squirrel, you know, and that, that's okay. <laughs> but then go back the next day and do it for 30 seconds longer and go back the next day and do it for 30 seconds longer. Why would our brain and focus not need the same attention of training as our muscles? You know, I mean, and I know about training. I actually ran the London marathon um, in 2021, but it turns out I did it on a broken leg. <laughs> what wow good for properly, you properly well i well yeah i mean i think i you know that line of courage and stupidity uh-huh i definitely was on that line i'm i may well have tipped over it you're the anyway. female david goggins that's awesome no no yeah, quit. Ah, my leg is broken i'll just keep going i'll just keep yeah literally that's what happened yeah it i mean it's properly broken the fibula was broken and i mean hoo-ha anyway turns out the whole 26 miles of it it was broken for but with when i was training for that marathon um I didn't expect to just wake up one morning and be able to run. I mean, I've run since I was a teenager, so I was already doing halves. I needed to get from the half to the whole, but I trained to do that. And we can use the same approach with our thinking. We can use the same approach with our minds, you know, and that's just, gosh, that's decisions and thinking. We haven't even got to expectations, perspective, how our experience actually provides a lens through which we see life um, and other people do as well so there's always a story behind someone's story isn't there so when someone's getting you know in your face um there's a story behind there that probably often isn't much to do with you it may well to do with whatever happened for them that morning uh, on their way into work or whatever it is so it's just giving grace for ourselves and giving grace to other people a little bit more in those situations 
I hope that's some tools in there, some specific. No, that's beautiful. I'd let, yeah, I just want you to keep going. This is excellent. I'm learning a lot. Well, you know, when you talk about training the mind and brain, I think it's important to train it. You know what I mean? And yeah. understand that there is neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity, which allows your brain to actually change your point of yeah. view to change the way you react to things to change, how you feel about things to change. So you do have that within your capacity if you do something about it. And mm -hmm. there are lots of simple things that you can do um, and then take action. You know what I mean? You, yeah. That's so, so important. And you talk yeah. about in your book, um, how I see things. So I'd love for you to kind of, I, I don't know if you've touched on that, but I'd love for you to go through that because I feel like that's probably the key thing. Anyone that I've had on the podcast, or I know in history, that's done really well. It's, it's their ability to see the positive and the negative, uh, you know, Bruce mm. Lee, one of my first mentors had his back broken and, you know, he wasn't supposed to be able to kick or do anything again and use that as an opportunity to read up on all the other martial arts in, in his bed and then heal himself mm. and ultimately become, you know, arguably the most famous martial artist of all time. Mm. And so that can be hard when you're in it, when you're, when you're in the depression, <laughs> but, you know, I think how we see yeah. things is probably the most fundamental difference maker and whether we're successful, whether we're happy, whether we can deal with adversity. Mm, mm, I agree. Mindset is absolutely crucial. And Carol Dweck at Stanford talks, doesn't she, about growth mindset and actually how some people are wired far more to see challenge as a place of growth and joy and, and other people just want to run away from it because they're aiming for perfection. And if you've never seen any of her work, um, to any of your listeners, do go check out um, Carol Dweck's uh, growth mindset it is. And actually, I would have been, I think, growing up in the fixed mindset, and I'm very much in the growth mindset now. I mean, I drive my team insane because they'll, I'll say, I don't know how to do it, but we can try. Yeah, I don't know how to do it, but I can learn because I do believe I can learn almost anything. I'm annoying in that way. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm always successful, but I'll give it a good go. Um, so yes, I totally agree with mindset. And it is a choice. And I think this is really important. This is, again, something I, with the book, even the even the title is a question even the title is a question because i'm trying to provoke discussion where people will think for themselves because actually a lot of what we think about is our choice so for example um if we think about our memories one image that i've come up with um which uh, I've run by a psychologist to make sure it does actually work. It's all good. Um, um, is to imagine that as we're going through life, you are collecting, collating, collecting. I think probably both work. Um, you're collating experiences and memories. And some of those you might put in a pocket that you can go, that's a negative memory or some in a positive. That's a, that's a great memory. I've got that one there. Or that's a really sad memory. Or some of them may be a mix of different memories. It may be something that brings you just great joy to think on, but also has a tinge of sadness because that person's no longer with you or whatever. So you have those different pockets that you wear and you collate things as you're going through life. And the reality is it's actually within our power to dip into those pockets whenever we want to and choose the memory that we want to choose. I'm not saying that you're in 100% control. For example, Occasionally, if I'm, I'm using this as an example, because I imagine people will be able to relate to it. So grief sometimes just comes out of nowhere and whacks you over the head. That's not you going to dip for it. Grief just does that. You know, there are times when there are triggers and they come to the front of your mind, but we are in much more control than we realize, I think. And when we do notice 
that actually our thinking is in our control and our perspective is in our control and what we choose to look at is in our control, then that starts to reduce the sense of life happening to us. It reduces the sense of victimhood. It reduces the sense of, well, I'm just can't control anything and actually starts to, we get ownership and control of our life again and say, actually, I can choose how um, I think about this. We can't always choose our circumstances. We can, though, choose our response to them. Um, a good example would be a couple of days ago, I went for a walk along um, the seafront. Uh, I wasn't planning to go for a walk. I should have probably been sitting doing some laptop work. Um, but instead, I was doing uh, what I say in the book, use your hours well. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll just, so I went for this walk and I was feeling, I wasn't feeling low, Matt, but I was feeling lethargic, I would say. So I was like, oh, I need to, I felt like I don't want to stay this lethargic. I don't want to stay this way. So I'm going to go for a fresh air walk. And what can I do? I know I'll practice an attitude of gratitude that I'll focus on something to be grateful for. So I, as I was getting out of the car to go for this blustery walk, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I put my coat on and I just said, thank you that I've got a really warm coat. And then I, then I did the zip up and I was like, oh yeah, thank you that the zip works now because it didn't a few weeks <laughs> ago. That led me to, oh, thank you that my husband took my coat to the tailors to get the zip fixed. So then I could be thankful for my husband and that how it goes on. So if, for example, you are struggling, just if you think of one thing to be grateful for, you can then, I haven't got a trendy name for this, by all means, let me know if you can think of one multiplying gratitude, a gratitude chain or something. But why do we stop at the one? Let's take that one and then develop it into more gratitude, develop it into a perspective that goes, you know what, I could feel sorry for myself right now, but everyone is safe, fed, clean, warm and loved. I'm going to focus on those things and focus on what I'm not worried about. Um, for example, if your husband hasn't ever taken your coat to be fixed, uh, but if you that when you put your coat on, you can say, well, thank you for the job that paid me the money to buy the coat or thank you for the car and the transport that got me to the shopping or thank you for the laptop that I was able to do the shopping online or the charity shop that I managed to get it from or that person that gave it to me secondhand or there's always another layer of gratitude, but it's a choice to go there. And I did that the other day, not because I was planning to share it here, but just because it was healthy for me and I did feel a lot better. So yeah, just trying to put it into practice myself. Well, those those are really great examples. It reminds me of uh, a thought experiment I give to my clients sometimes and something that I need to remember for myself. And it's the idea of like, okay, let's just say you have everything you ever wanted. You know, you've got yeah. the money, you've got the dream, all your vision board, everything's come true, right? Okay. And you've got that. Yeah. It's great, right? So then all of a sudden that vision, you know, you got that vision board going, but then you lose your eyesight. You know what I mean? So now you're in this perfect world that you've created now and you've lived that way for five years. Would you go back mm -hmm. and give everything up so you could have your eyesight again, see your kids, mm -hmm. uh, see the world experience it in a certain way, or would you want all the material things? And everybody always says their eyesight, or sometimes we use your legs, the ability to mm. use your legs and to run. And we mm. often take so much for granted because we're looking yeah. at what we don't have. And that's the that's challenge. Right. We feel like there's something outside of us that we don't have. So it's not mm -hmm. good enough now. And it's that, you know, and it might be happening subtly. It might be happening unconsciously. And what you're sharing is the idea to notice that first and how you feel and then understand that there are certain things you can do to shift your state, right? One of them, yeah. I saw, you know, a, a, 
an image of someone saying or, or video saying like if you hug a tree um it actually you know it's got the tree energy or whatever go you know go hug a tree go in cold water go for a jog we know that fitness really does a lot for the body so that's something yeah. that i try to use a lot just having a walk call a friend is another good mm-hmm. one you know call someone Absolutely. that you love call someone Very let important. them you know if you're feeling like shit call someone yeah. you appreciate and tell them you appreciate them I and love um, that. that's right one one uh, <laughs> one perspective i i'm remembering now that was helpful is that uh, I remember waking up one day and I was like depressed for whatever reason and just felt like a lump of crap. And mm. I was like, okay, I'm Happens. useless. To, I was like, I'm useless today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the day better for those I love. Brilliant. And, you know, so then I, I become useful and you know what? The day wasn't so bad, right? Yeah. I'm trying to put a smile on other people's faces. And I think that the the loneliness and all that, it, it's a bit selfish because we're thinking about just ourselves and not what we have. And, um, again, it doesn't, it's not to dilute the challenges we go through because mm. I constantly mm. get to a low state and there's nothing really that bad. Right. But it's yeah. the, yeah. like you're sharing, it's the invitation to understand, to, to inquire about it. Is it that bad? Is it the end of the world? What is the worst case scenario? And actually that's another exercise I do, um, when helping people design their life and do their life purpose. It's like, okay, mm. well, if the thing they're scared of or whatever they're trying to do, these challenges are fears. Well, if they happened how bad is it really like draw it out? Is it so bad? And nine times out of 10, it's actually not that bad. And then they yeah. can handle it. So um, do you want to uh, chat about that and, and add anything on or should I ask you a question? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's absolutely right. I love your point of being useful to other people. Let's be real. Sometimes we do just wake up and just feel, you know, I think um, back in the day that I said, got out, got out of the wrong side of the bed or something when they, it just happens sometimes, but it's what we choose to fix our mind on and what we choose to fix our purpose on. And interestingly, a day like that, as we say, I think trying to hang some more, um, yeah, just being careful about our vocabulary. So what is the bad day? Is it a low day? Is it a slow day, a boring day or whatever? When we're specific about the emotion we're feeling, then we can start to fix that emotion. So am I feeling a bit, I'm feeling a bit low. Actually, the reality is I'm feeling lonely, right? Who can I connect with? Or I'm feeling a bit bored, right? I need to go do something. So when we name the emotion and articulate that accurately, then we can start to respond and come up with a a suitable response to that. But I particularly love the whole doing something for somebody else. In the book, I talk about compassion fatigue um, and how actually when we realize the scenario that other people are in, not that comparison is healthy, um, I don't encourage that, but what I'm saying is, it can put our own thing, our own life into perspective, but just being purposeful and fixing our eyes on something else, the more we focus on something, um, the more it becomes magnified. And uh, that is why when we start to look out, uh, when we're feeling in that way that you talked about, just feeling a bit, ugh, you know, just a bit crappy, just actually when we start to look out and we start to find purpose and we make ourselves useful, I believe we're hardwired for generosity. We're hardwired for love. We're hardwired for serving. Um, and I love the fact that you then focused on other people. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I love that. I think it's a great, it's a great solution. It's a great mindset, isn't it? Um, and within that, one of the other things that I, again, I talk about is, Often people will say, and I'm sure you've done this with the work you've done. Often people say, oh, I, I want 
I want this kind of life. I want this happy life. I want to be happy. I want my life. I want to look back at the end of my life and be pleased with what I've done. You know, well, a, a good life is made up of good years and good years are made up of good months, which are made up of good days, which are made up of good hours. And sometimes if I say to somebody, well, what are you going to do with the next hour that you're just going to enjoy? How are you going to make, make the next hour? better for somebody else for yourself how are you the next hour and we start to bite it like these bite-sized chunks of what are we going to do so with that day you're like right i'm going to do something that this day is not wasted because as you say we can so often focus on what we don't have what we do have is breath and i once heard brene brown say it's the most precious non-renewable resource is our time and we do have breath and sometimes I just have to stop and I breathe in deeply and I breathe out deeply and I think I have breath today. And for that, I'm truly grateful because I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I don't need to know. Today, I have breath. How am I going to do that? You know, how am I going to do today well? So I love that. Serving others is is the ultimate way of, of um, yeah, getting our focus right, I think. Yeah, and I think the idea of taking action, you know, that's going to make us feel unstuck, right? So whatever yeah. the thing is, you can do the smallest action is the mm. biggest way you're going to start to change that energy. If you can do lots of action, even better. And, mm. you know, in your book, you talk about uh, how I spend my life. And this is a lot of the work that, you know, I transitioned to from, you know, peak performance to more around the, you know, with the stuff like law of attraction and all these different modalities I did in spirituality. What The one thing that I didn't really focus on is who you really were and what you really wanted. Because nine mm. times out of 10, it was material. It wasn't coming from your authentic nature. You know, for me, yeah. you know, I could be in the crappiest car of all time, you know, um, going to the mountains with my friends. It doesn't matter. You know, if I can be yeah. in, the, in the mountains with my buddies, you know, I'm going to be the happiest person. But when I was younger, yeah. I was like, oh, I need this car. Now, the car would yeah. be nice if we were going there in a sweet <laughs> Range Rover. Heck yes, I'll take okay. that and that will be awesome. <laughs> but the idea is like, oh, you know, what's the most important thing? But I feel like a lot of people they might spend their lives on jobs that they don't enjoy, but they have to, they have to quote unquote, because of mm. uh, income. And so how do you yeah. help them, you know, a person just transition, maybe they're, or yeah, how I spend my life. Cause it make it reminds me also of right livelihood. And I feel like that's one of the other issues that we're having in this mm. world where it might be mm. causing issues that people aren't aware of because they have these jobs that aren't really serving other people. Mm. And they kind of feel that intrinsically. And they mm. want to move towards something more meaningful. And you in your yeah. life, you you never had a job, but it's been able to kind of flow <laughs> uh, your way, which yeah. I think you've been blessed. And, and if someone wants to start to engage in that path, do you think that it's possible for them to shift what they're doing to, you know, create an income and then redesign the way they uh, live their life? And I don't know if your chapter touches on that, but that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I think um, it's possible for change. I think the idea of change um sometimes people say yes yes i want a change but then when the rubber hits the road of okay you need to make these changes that's much harder to actually put into action isn't it um i think the idea of what we really want and our authentic self what we really want i was speaking to a friend the other day and she said what i just really love doing is being outdoors up to my knees in mud <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> awesome let's go do more of that um you know what do we really want what really makes us come alive and we need to be real um that earning money makes life easier 
Um, I'm not materialistic, I don't think particularly. Um, but at the same time, I, I once heard this, I can't remember who it was that said it, but it always stuck with me in terms of materialism, because I've always been like, well, I don't think I'm materialistic. I'm with you. Like, I, I'm happy to drive a banger of a car, like whatever. Um, but also maybe I need to add a little bit more materialism in, in terms of valuing what I already have and the contentment of what I already have and valuing the car I already have rather than thinking about the car that I want to have is it or something like that that's not on me but you see what i'm saying um but i think in terms of how we design our lives the reality is we need to we need to get the basics in place so we need to make sure our five to thrive is in place and we need to do what that takes to do it but how we do it is important i've i have a real bugbear i don't know whether you have a strong opinion about this matt but about the whole uh, sometimes I'm called into businesses to talk about uh, work-life balance. It's completely nonsense because you don't die when you go to work. Well, I hope you don't die when you go to work. Um, and I think the problem is people have kind of got their heads like, like I go to work and then I come home to live. And now we're all working from home and that's all changed a bit. I think there is more of a crossover, but I still hear this phrase, work-life balance, trying to make life work. And um, one of the uh, tools that I've created, uh, that I've used in businesses um, and and have put briefly in the book, but I'll do more work on it, is what I call the 360 model. So in terms of how I spend my life is this. Often when I've asked people to design their life, they may on a, let's say an A4 sheet of paper. And I talk about how they compartmentalize their life up in the different tasks and way of living. So let's call that uh, the going to work, the eating, the sleeping, the having sex, the the hobbies, the children, the whatever it is, the different ways that they want to spend their life and spend their time and what's important to them goes on this kind of sheet of paper. Often what you'll find is people will write it out and they'll kind of compartmentalize roughly the amount of paper they think belongs with this amount of ratio of time to sleep and work and things like this. Then what I do is I take that very 2D approach and I take a sphere and I take the sphere and then I wrap the sphere in paper and say, right, let's go again. How do you want to spend your life? And the way that I see it is this, in that sphere of living, let's call, let's just take a few basics. Let's talk work and, um, home life with children and holidays and rest, or let's just take those, for example. If what, what happens is if we wrap our sphere with those different things that we want to happen around life, around who we authentically are, and then we want to be able to move that sphere so that one thing is happening at the top, it doesn't take away the others. For example, when I'm at work, on the bottom of my sphere is that I'm a mother. I'm no less a mother when I'm at work. In fact, when I'm at work, I'm earning money to pay for the mortgage, to look after my children, to make sure our five to thrive is sorted. So I know why I'm there. I'm still a mother. And then when my mother sphere comes to the top, my working, I'm still a business owner. It's just right now my mothering has my attention. Or if I'm holidaying, and what I find is people tend to get upset or down or low or depressed when they get stuck in one of those, even if that's holidaying forever, because if the, if the sphere stops moving and then, and people are only ever 
holidaying, they actually feel a sense of not, I can't say this for everybody, but as a general rule, people will feel a sense of lack of purpose. At the same time, if all you're doing is working all the time and you're not giving the attention to the family, people feel actually they're missing on that community. And obviously there's, there's people, if, if all you're doing is with your children and you're not managing to earn to, to buy the food and, you know, so it's keeping this fear moving. And I would suggest that people stop and go, who, what is that sphere? What do I really want that to look like? How do I want to spend my life? Forget work life balance, because when you're at work, that's still your 24 hours. How do you want to spend those 24 hours in a way that you will live with um, as few regrets as you can manage? I think one of the things to be honest with you, Matt, one of the reasons I've written this book and um, I'm actually a very private person, but in this book, I've been very vulnerable. There are many people close to me who will find out things they never knew, <laughs> but I've been vulnerable in the book strategically because um, I think it's important to be real. And I think one of the reasons I've written it is I experienced a lot of people around me dying who were very close to me very early on. And I think what that did is it gave me this sense of life is precious. Every day is precious. Just the fact that I'm alive today, I'm grateful for. I don't take for granted. I really don't. I know people that aren't. Just the fact that um, life is short. I talk about um, the bank of breathing, um, which is again another analogy um, that I came up with where just if you think about the bank of breathing, um, you basically have a limited supply of breaths. You just don't know how many and you can't get them back. So when you start thinking about your life in that way, that you are literally spending your life, but you don't know how much is there, rather than being concerned about that, you can go, what a privilege that I've got today. And I'm gonna to use today how I want to use it. And when we realize the finite resource and the precious resource that time is, it starts to motivate us to make the decisions we need to make. I'm not saying you don't need to do the job. I've done jobs I've hated. I mean, honestly, I remember one job I had to go, I cried all the way there and cried all the way home. But I used that as a motivator to change the job. It's not that we don't have to do that sometimes. I just think as a general rule, if, if you're in a job that you hate, or that you're not enjoying, make sure that sphere is turning and you have the other balances around it that make sure that you are still enjoying life as best you can. Well, I love that. That's a very well-balanced answer, uh, fittingly, because you use the sphere analogy. You know, I think that um, the work-life balance is a challenge for many people because we're so yeah. uh, material driven and we, but the fear is safety for our family. So the more yeah. money we have, the safer they are. And so then that would drive the one part so far where you sacrifice your home life. And I feel like just the idea of how you want to spend your life, how you want to spend the days and working towards making that a reality. Um, just like if you want to change your weight and you're overweight or something else in your life, you, you first take assessment and stock of where you are, what you'd like to yes. change. And then you, you change it. And guess what? Six months later, or a year later, when you've changed it, there'll be something else that you change. And so yeah. if you can have an empowering <laughs> perspective the whole way, you're going to mm. enjoy the process of life a lot more. Um, I could ask you a million questions. I know that it's late there. Um, so I will let you go, but I'm going to throw some at you that you can answer if you want, or you can okay. go to bed if you want. It's up to you. Go on, so, throw, throw me a few questions. Okay, I won't so, necessarily have the answers. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So you talk about joy, you know, is yeah. there something you specifically you talk about in the book that impedes joy and how do we have more of it? What's the purpose of life and how do we, uh, 
have a connection with the creator God or whatever you see that is. So the three big okay. ones, wow, whatever you want, but I, feel, I liked all your answers. So I want to throw your, <laughs> those your way to hear your perspective. So joy is there for the taking. Joy is there for the taking. I have this phrase in there of how would they sell happiness to us if they knew, if we knew that we had it all along. There's mm -hmm. happiness propaganda out there saying that happiness and joy is a is a tick list of tasks that um, you can just tick off. And if you if you get all these things right, then you'll be okay. Actually, I believe it is there for the taking. Um, and I go into the the detail of that and some examples of that into the book. But um, I actually believe joy is a fruit of a healthy spirit and a healthy spiritual life um, because it enables us as well to put everything in control and gives us something to focus on. Um, so yeah, joy is there for the taking. I feel like it's a deep inner joy in me sometimes that's not necessarily based on the circumstance around me, but is something that I know is unshakable in me. And it's, and even on a bad day, it's often quite close to the surface. Like, yeah, it's quite close for me to be able to just dip into and find um, that joy and experience that joy. And as you say, often if I'm looking for more joy, I find it in other people. But it is that noticing and that comes down to the what does it matter? W-D-I-M, what does it matter? When you are feeling good, what is it that I'm feeling? Ah, oh, I'm feeling exhilarated. You know, why am I feeling it? Because actually I'm in a room full of people. I need to make an effort to be in a room full of people more. Or actually I'm out playing basketball and I haven't done this in years and I'm loving it. I need to do that more. Notice when you're feeling joy and incorporate that into your sphere as a high value because, you know, we want to be we want to be joyful in the life that we live, don't we? I love that. Well, very beautiful answer. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and the work that you're doing and the book. I think that it's going to do very well because from now until the rest of time, everyone's going to want to live with less stress and more joy. <laughs> and I feel like any kind of perspective knowledge that comes from a, a, a place of truth, you know, like when you hear mm -hmm. something true, it resonates or it's a tool and you know, that you have that you can access, right? So if you're hating everything and you know that a tool is available, you might not choose it, uh, but you know that it's there and that yeah. alone is huge. And and you kind of touched on this a little bit. It's more about a practice, I find. Um, mm. You know, I had a friend tell me that, uh, we were talking about religion and, and spirituality. And he goes, you know, now I consider myself a practicing Christian. And the only time I'd ever heard that was from Buddhism, you know, and that's okay. what they told me. They they practice compassion. They practice kindness. Yeah. And, and each and every mm. moment in their life is an opportunity to practice what they've learned because mm. you can forget it and you can choose something else. You know, I'm a mm. martial artist and I can choose if somebody bugs me to be like, you know what, I'm going to try to beat the crap out of this guy. <laughs> you know, I was <laughs> like, you know, but you know, from all the training, I was supposed to choose not yeah. doing that, de-escalating and figuring a way around it. Um, yeah. you know, so the choice is always, a, <laughs> the choice is always available and we're constantly growing. And I think I'm just reminded for, you know, myself and maybe the audience, you use the word grace, you know, to give mm. yourself more grace, give yourself yeah. more forgiveness, give yourself yes. more kindness, more space. Mm. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think that that alone is really, really helpful just to be a little bit mm. easier on yourself to know that you're not perfect, that you're doing your best, that you're trying and, yeah. uh, you know, and then, but like you said, it was very simple, 
you know, become more aware, get clear, take stock in your life, see what you can do, and then have a little more trust. And I feel like the perspective of, you know, God is working for you, or you have, you know, God on your side, however you want to phrase that is more Mm. empowering than, you know, life is meaningless, you know, I don't matter. And everything Mm. is terrible. You know, it's just happening Mm. to me. You know, if Mm. if you have the ideas for me, and I can, Mm. you know, overcome this, um, and then, yeah, the simplicity of just getting your community for support when you get overwhelmed, this is too mm. much for me. You know, I need yeah. some help. That's just a you know, very, just simple, beautiful, practical. So I love it. Where can people find more about you? Is there anything that you wish that had asked or that you want to talk about before we close the show? Um, and where can people find you? Oh, thank you, Matt. You've been very kind in allowing me to just uh, spin off. So I'm very grateful for the chance um, to talk with you. I love talking with you. Um, People can find out more. um, So by all means, my Instagram, my social medias, um, Emma underscore peers. I I need to be clear that it's spelt pears and pronounced peers because it's French. That was a very early conversation I had with my um, then boyfriend, now husband, when I found out his surname. I was like, oh, marvellous. So Emma (laughs) underscore peers. And uh, yeah, my book is available. What does it matter? Live with uh, less stress and more joy is actually available anywhere you buy your books which I always wanted to say, and it's, it's, it's a real blessing that I'm able to say that. So it's available anywhere you buy your books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it, uh, it's distributed by Simon Schuster. You'll be able to find it where you want to get it. Awesome. Well, congrats well, on the release. Of the... as well. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm grateful yeah. for you being on the show. Thank you for sharing everything you did. I wish you all the best with your book and uh, thanks everybody for watching. Thank you, Matt. My pleasure. See you guys. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Emma Pierce. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, please consider sharing it far and wide. Join the email list at mattbelair.com. And if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, just hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. I'd love to hear from you and support you with developing and crafting a powerful and authentic life mission and giving you tools and strategies to actually bring it into reality. So if that sounds like something you're interested in go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and that's it just thank you guys so much for your time and your attention sending you my prayers and well wishes to you and your family and your friends and everyone you love and let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace contentment faith courage power and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode